There's a plan in everything, kid. And I love it when a plan comes together. Welcome to Talking Giants, boys and girls. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. And Justin, we're going late again. We're literally 30 seconds away from pre- pressing record. Like, we both said to each other, like, all right, ready to go, ready to go. And Danny Boy King sends us a text saying Cameron Fleming. So we went and watched the game each of Cameron Fleming. But anyways, Justin, we're going to get to all these free agent signings from Blake Martinez. We're going to actually break them down a little bit and talk about that one. Kyler Fackrell, Levine Toilolo, Antoine Bethea being cut. But Justin, how are you doing and how are you feeling overall about free agency without like breaking down players? Hey, Bobby, 10.30 at night, 10.30 p.m. Uh, do we think the Giants are going to sign anybody else? Um <laughs> <laughs> if if they do, let's just say right now we'll we'll deal with that on another day because I don't want to do like a, all right we're cutting off half the show we'll just let people laugh at our takes. That was wild. That was that was a wild wild time that we had a uh, uh, just just a couple nights ago. But yeah, Bobby, free agency. No, I mean there's there's really only one guy that I'm really hesitant on. But overall, the Giants are a better football team. You know, I, I said I said they were a much better football team. You know, two days ago when we were when we recorded. Overall, because I really do think that there's not there's not really going to be a major move that's going to be made. I think this Fleming signing late at night, this being a four million dollar deal when we had before the Fleming deal, I think we had about maybe eleven million dollars to make moves. Because remember, you need to save fifteen million dollars to just overall. You need to save that fifteen million dollars for draft picks and in season moves. Bobby, I, Giants improved. I don't think the free agency should have – you should have the expectation, especially as a team that's on the East Coast and especially as a team that has a state income tax. I don't think you should have this overall expectation that – By the oh, way, this whole to- state income tax conversation, stay the hell out of my pocket. You people trying to come down to Florida and give <laughs> us a state income tax. Stay away and spring breakers, stay away with your coronavirus because you guys are spreading it down here. Get out of my pockets. Won't you just get rid of your income taxes? We all pay federal taxes. Get out of my, just get out of my pockets. All right, and that's talking politics. Talking politics. Hey, let's let's get it started. Uh, Bobby and Justin talking coronavirus two point You're you bringing up Furby again, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it, it really it really did suck. Like I was like, oh my my boy Dar- Darquez Darquezy shout out uh, Darquez Denard went to Jacksonville. Uh, you know, all these guys are going to Jacksonville, Miami. You know, Tom T- Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, Nevada. He gets our, it. Our friends friends in Las Vegas had a fun time. Nevada is one of those states that doesn't have the state income tax, and they they went crazy in free agency. But you see these teams all the time. You don't you don't win. You know, basically the teams that teams that win free agency uh, aren't the teams that are typically going to be. Uh, winning a ton maybe during the regular season. It's not necessarily sustainable success. We all know that sustainable success is built through the draft. So, Bobby, this whole little rant that I went on, even though I guess Giants fans, oh, you know, we're, we may look at this free agency class as a whole and we may be like, oh, a little disappointed by it. If you look at it as a whole. It's it's kind of boring. Yeah, it's, it's boring. The Giants got better as a football team, which I guess that's all you can really ask for free agency. And you know, games are games are won and lost by how you can build through the draft. So, and I think we already know that. Yeah, it is boring. I mean, the James Bradbury, we broke down him a lot, so we're not going to talk about him in this episode. We obviously that's exciting. I, mean, I, I love that one. Like, I was having fun with that one. Blake Martinez, which we'll we'll get into here in a second. Like, that isn't uh, an upgrade. Kyler Fackrell, we'll discuss that when we get to it. We ask talk about Marcus Golden, who it looks like he won't be a part of the Giants' future. Uh, Levine Tololo, uh, he'll be an improvement over Ellison and um, Cameron Fleming. I don't know, but we are better. But we, you don't look at this free agency and be like, man, they went out and freaking really improved because honestly, we didn't that much, but we did improve. And James Bradbury, which it makes sense because he makes it so much mo- the most money out of all of them, is the one who really like transforms what this team could do on defense. So I like that one. Overall, I feel. All right, it's kind of just meh. It's, it's it's kind of a wait and see, um, to see who they draft and who they fit with these guys. And I mean, you know, if you're coming to us for hot takes, we're not going to give them to you. We're just kind of, you know, we watch the film, we look at stats, and we break stuff down. So you forgot about Cody Core. Cody Core. I I was going to say that, but I was like, you know what? Let's just not say that, and we'll we'll say it when we get <laughs> to him on on the list. But it starts with Blake Martinez after James Bradbury. So if this is your first time listening, we broke down James Bradbury like crazy on the last episode. But it starts with Blake Martinez, 26 years old, six foot two, 237 pounds, three-year, $30 million contract. And Justin, the advanced stats on him 
for coverage were really bad, like really bad. And, and a lot of people freaked out and they're like, he's not that good. Tackle numbers are inflated. I watched, I'll say four games, um, but it was more like five or so because I was watching Kyler Fackrell, but I was keeping, you know, out of the corner of my eye, I was watching what Blake Martinez was doing. But I, I watched him against good competition. Uh, I watched him against Dallas. I watched him against Philly, his uh, his worst game against Minnesota, against 49ers in the regular season, and then uh, some other games here and there. He is a good football player. He is 100% an upgrade. And I will say the advanced stats do not tell the story of his coverage. Justin, let's go through his regular numbers, though. Last year, he had 155 tackles, 97 solo, which led the NFL. He was second in total, five tackles for a loss, three sacks, and a pick. That's a really good stat line for a linebacker. But like you said before, tackles can be inflated. Alec Ogletree got a good amount of tackles. Antoine Bethea got a good amount of tackles. But his numbers are the top of the league. And you want to look at solo tackles, not for a safety, but for a, a middle linebacker, you want to look at solo tackles because you can't just like pile on where there was a video of a guy saying, oh, this guy's so overrated and like tackles aren't a good uh, way to address things because you can just touch a guy when he's going down and it's just a tackle, but that doesn't make any sense because they were counted as solo. So I want to go through his run and then his pass and then we can talk about him as whole. In the run game, he's good. He's pretty dang good. He's not like... Ray Lewis good, but he's good. Fills holes well. He plays a little patient, which is good. In fact, you know, Ryan Conley's a guy we like his aggression, um, which it'll get him in trouble at times. Blake Martinez's worst plays in the run game were when he was like, all right, I'm hitting this gap. I'm not waiting for the running back to make a decision or to read it more. That's when he got himself in trouble, which he did against Philly a couple times against Dallas. But when he read and react and played things patiently and slow, he was making good plays. I mean, you know, keeping runs that could have been eight, nine, ten yard runs into three yard runs. And I went and watched the Viking games first because we saw what the Vikings offense could do this year with Dalvin Cook in that outside zone. And outside zone can really tell you how good a linebacker is in the run game, Justin. Because remember, like the when the Patriots play the Giants and they're like, man, Ogletree, Mayo, really good games. But in reality, the Patriots were just running right up the, the middle of our defense, which was the strength of our defensive lineman. And the tackles were just coming right to him. Whereas a team like the Vikings, uh, the Cardinals, they ran that outside zone and our linebackers were not able to read and scrape over the top. Blake Martinez was able to do that. There were six, seven times in that game where he just met Dalvin Cook in the hole. I'm going on a little monologue here. And then you look at a play where Dalvin Cook has 70, uh, Dalvin Cook had a 75-yard touchdown run. And you look at that play and you see he reads Martinez and he goes. And you go, wow, Martinez just allowed a 75-yard touchdown play. That's what I thought. Yeah. The Packers defense put them in bad situations where they, you know, you have, and I'm trying to do this as well as I can without film. You have an offensive lineman going to Blake Martinez and Blake Martinez has to read one way or the other. And whichever way Martinez goes, Cook's going the other way for 20 plus yards. When you look at it, like, like, like nonchalantly, it's like, oh wow, 75 yard run on Blake Martinez. But when you actually look at it, it's like, what could he have done there? So he was really good in the run game, and the Packers kind of screwed him because they would play, and I was watching the 49ers, and the 49ers had six blockers, and they had five guys in the box. How can you do that? That's negligence on as a defensive coordinator to have the best running team in football who does all these things and gets guys at great angles, and Kyle Shanahan is the best run game play caller in the NFL, and you have less guys in the box than they have blockers, which, by the way, that's the trade of Patrick Graham that he always tries to keep more guys in the box than there is blockers. And it was just pitting Blake Martinez in these impossible situations. So a lot of times when you see these big plays, it's like, oh, Blake Martinez. But it really wasn't his fault, except for the Eagles game. There was, there was a lot there, his fault. So basically what I'm saying is he's a good run blocker. He has 100% improvement over Alec Ogletree. And the tackle numbers are not fake. They are very real tackle numbers, Justin. Bobby, let me ask you a question about Blake Martinez's game, especially in the run game, before you get to the passing game. One of the things that I saw now, for, now first off, like you're listening to last episode, you heard me go on my monologue about oh Blake Martinez, this he's not a natural good athlete, he's not a great athlete, he's terrible in coverage, he's a better player than I expected, better player than I gave him credit for. I still have my trepidations. We'll get to that when we get to our macro conversation. But this is just something that I saw in the film, and I want you to either dismiss this thought or you know entertain it for a second. 
Blake Martinez, we didn't necessarily have a have an offensive lineman get his hands on him. I thought he was pretty good. He really filled holes well. Like you said, he was patient. I thought sometimes he can get in trouble because he was too patient. I was going to use that 75-yard run that he allowed against Dalvin Cook and as, as an example of him being too patient, but you outlined the reasons why that may have been you know, more of a scheming thing. So Blake Martinez, how do you judge his ability to shed offensive linemen when they get his hands on him? Because there have been times where I've seen Martinez – you know, like I said, he can really fill holes and he can do a great job when nobody's getting their hands on him. But when an offensive lineman gets their hands on him, I've seen a difficulty on shedding blockers and then trying to make a play from there. What what have you seen from that? I'd say it's good, not great. It's, he's not an elite linebacker. Um, it was good, not great. Like you said, a lot of times it's like, oh, like, and like for example, you'll look at um, an edge player and you'll be like, man, that backside tackle just really blocked him. But it's like, but his responsibility is to just stay on the edge and not move inside so they don't have these crazy cutbacks. So there was times where I agree with you, but there's also times where when you're looking at that, it's like, oh, he didn't shed that block. And it's like, no, he's actually just waiting for a running back to make his cut and then he's going to fill whatever hole. So if, if now he's, it wasn't amazing or anything, but I didn't, I didn't look at it as a problem. I mean, like you said, I would look at it as a problem if the times where he was aggressive, Justin. It didn't get himself in trouble when he was aggressive. And partly of this was the Packers defensive play calling and never not having a second linebacker next to him. And a lot of times it was a safety and he kind of just had to make plays. And then sometimes there, he would make his, his read correctly and he would do it aggressively, but the safety, whether it's Amos, he, they didn't fill the backside hole and it turned into big plays. So a lot of that was on the, the Packers defensive scheme. There was a few times where I was just very frustrated. Fair, fair. You know, like I said, I I was never one to say that Blake Martinez's tackle numbers were inflated. Alec Ogletree's t- tackle numbers were definitely inflated. Um, so I was never one to say that. I just had the problem of Giants are signing a guy that is a run stuffer. And we'll, and we'll get to this because, Bobby, I want, I want you to get to talking about the pass coverage. But just know where I am. I'm in a lot more of a zen place of Blake Martinez but more or less still kind of critical of the Giants organization on why they chose to make to make this signing. But overall, linebacker position's a lot better. We no we no longer have a depth problem at linebacker. Like we're at the we're at the end of right. free agency and the pressure isn't all on Ryan Conley anymore and the pressure for David Mayo to be a starting linebacker is not there. So those questions are answered, but it is it's I I still have some questions. We'll get to that. Bobby, how did he do in the past game? Yeah, let's get through the pass coverage, and then we'll we'll have a real big conversation on them. And pass, a lot of this stuff was overblown. In fact, you know, we talked about athleticism because it's like his combine numbers aren't good. I didn't see a single play where it's like, man, he's just way too slow to make this play. So the athleticism. But let me ask you fact, something. Let me ask you this one question. Let me ask you this one question. That play where that other white slot wide receiver that the Minnesota Vikings have. That's okay. That's. That, let, let me get through this, and that's a, a perfect ex- – in fact, me and Anthony talked about that on the video. That's I'm glad you brought that one up. So when he was putting man coverage on the running back, he was pretty good. Um, a lot of times on third down passing situations, they'd play him up in the A-gap, and sometimes he would blitz at the line of scrimmage, and he'd pop out and play man coverage and covering the running back. Like I thought he was pretty good covering the running back. I mean, if you ask him to cover a guy for six seconds, then yeah, every linebacker in the NFL is going to get – um, lose him at that point and we'll talk about it in our macro conversation so I thought that was pretty good and zone he had some good good moments but he also had some bad moments there was times where it was and we talked about this where it's like turn your zone into man like stop looking at the QB's eyes find a guy to cover and cover him so there's a few times in that but there's a few times where he like he played really good in the zone and teams didn't a team team's offensive game plan was never hey Let's get matchups with Blake Martinez. It was just, at least in the four, the five games I watched, there was never like, all right, let's go attack Blake Martinez. And the advanced stats, I just can't trust those. Because, Justin, they don't, with linebackers, you just don't know what uh, linebackers and safety, you just don't know what people's responsibilities are. Maybe uh, there, there'll become a point where we can trust those numbers. But, Justin, I mean, think about, like, when I got into it with Frisco Josh before the show started. The advanced numbers said that Daniel Jones had one touchdown against zone coverage at the time against the Bears. But I went and looked at it, I was like, no, he's got six or seven. So it's just, it's hard to judge for that. So I, I can't use the advanced stats for coverage for, for linebackers. I just don't think, it's not developed enough. And from the fact that I went and watched and teams didn't just like, all right, let's go attack Blake Martinez. I mean, look, even 
the 49ers who had some really awesome plays with George Kittle, like they weren't like, all right, let's work the intermediate game with George Kittle over Blake Martinez. It just wasn't there. Part of that was they did have a like they did play aimless towards the line of screens more. So basically what I'm saying is is good in man. Zone is kind of 50-50. He's not great. He has flaws. He needs to be better in zone. But he is not some like guy with with concrete on his feet, like concrete bricks on his feet when he's in coverage. He's a good enough athlete to make any play. Um, I didn't see any time where it's like, man, if he was just a little faster. But Justin, you brought up the Vikings play. And by the way, I'll plug it right now. Me and Anthony did a, a YouTube video breaking some stuff down. We broke down this play. Yeah, please plug it. And there's a drag route, this white number 12 wide receiver from the Vikings. I don't even know what it's a guy's name is. And he's running a drag route. And Martinez goes into coverage with him as long as well as a slot corner. And he just flat out sits on this play. I mean, flat out sits on it after being full speed. Like you see that kind of stuff versus air. And it's like, that doesn't translate. Sits on it, turns around and then gets the ball and then runs for like 60 yards. There's not a linebacker in the NFL who could have made that play. There's just not. When a wide receiver is running at full speed, you're chasing him right there with him man to man. And he just stops on a dime turns because those, I mean, those drag routes at that point, usually they, they, they're finished off running to the sideline. But usually there's not enough time for a, a wide receiver to do that. That was one of those plays where it's like, look, he gave up 60 yards. But they're just there's not a linebacker in the game who could do that. Fair. So fair. I can't I can't I can't disagree. Can't yeah, disagree. So, like I said, I don't I don't want to sit here and pretend like he's like an awesome coverage linebacker, but I think there's just a lot more context to it. But let's talk about his like overall how he fits, what the, yeah. the contract, do was this a bad signing by the Giants? Justin, won't you give me some of your thoughts on that since I've been preaching yeah. the, the film? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's more or less just questions, and then we we can kind of go from there. So this may be like a a, a no shit Sherlock dumb question here. Okay, let's air it out. Does Blake Martinez take the number one interior linebacker job to start 2019? Unless they draft Isaiah Simmons, yes. There's other there they can draft a different linebacker even in the first round if they trade back. But I think Isaiah Simmons is the only one who would take that number one role from him. Okay. Okay. And I And he's I only twenty six yes. years old too, you know? Like so he's I mean, he's really young and, and has room to grow, you know? Like I said, a lot of the coverage stuff was mental. I would say yes as well. Especially when you consider like let's just say the Giants don't add anybody else, which would be foolish. <laughs> let's just say the Giants don't add anybody else at interior linebacker and the season started tomorrow. Blake Martinez is the number one interior linebacker, especially when you consider uh, Ryan Conley's coming off of Tornacio. Then Bobby, what was you know something that something that really did hit me today? What was Conley a fifth or a sixth round pick? Fifth, I believe. Even but even if Conley's healthy, he fits that number two that linebacker role because he plays more aggressive. When you're the play side guy, you can't be as aggressive. Um, which he did it, and there's awesome plays, but you get yourself in trouble. And like I mean, we talked about it earlier with Blake Martinez when he was. Like sometimes a little taking a chance, it would screw him. So Connolly is but much better in that role where you're kind of following and going. Now, granted, when he did play that number one role, it was fun to watch. But I don't know, like teams will game plan against that kind of play style eventually. Right. So that's first and foremost. We got we got that out of the way. Blake Martinez, as of right now, if the season started tomorrow. Blake Martinez, number one interior linebacker. Okay. So now here's here's my next question for you. Who do you feel more comfortable with on third down and passing downs? Now, even second down, you know, this could include second downs as well. Who do you feel more comfortable with on third down and passing downs lining up at the linebacker spot or the linebacker spots? Jabril and Conley, Martinez and Jabril, or Martinez and Conley together? Because we both have talked about, and I think we're both big advocates of Jabril Peppers on passing downs. We want to see more safeties on the field. And this is just where I feel the league is trending towards anyway. You want to see more safeties on the field, more secondary guys on the field. You know, if Jabril Peppers has this ability to cover these linebackers, to no, excuse me, to cover these tight ends and to cover these half these speedy halfbacks, you want Jabril Peppers being put in that position to do so rather than playing all the way back towards a strong safety and where a free safety would play. So what kind of combination do you feel most confident in in 2020? So last year I was big on the three safety role, right? I mean, I, I loved it. I loved when they did that. With the personnel right now, Martinez and Conley, and you play Peppers closest to the line of scrimmage, which, by the way, is kind of what Patrick Graham did. He had that safety towards the box. Even in th- even when they were in their base 3-4, he would have the safety towards the box. So for me, it's both. And if you're choosing between Martinez and Conley, 
Connolly can eventually take that role. And he's he's good in coverage, but Connolly hasn't shown me that he can be that guy. So if if you're picking between Connolly and and Martinez week one, I'm putting Martinez out there. But as of now, I like you said, I would do Martinez Connolly and then just have Peppers playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Because Martinez, a lot of times, on like especially if we're blitzing more on those third downs, that means you're pitting guys in man coverage, and that's where Martinez's strength was. Now, granted, Connolly has shown he could do that well too, but he hasn't shown enough to where it's like, okay, you like Martinez has shown would make you more comfortable than Connolly would at this point. Yeah, and this is this is where I get to my problem with the signing, right? Like I said, so um, this is not me poo pooing, and this is not me crapping on. Martinez, and this is not me saying that he's a bad player, right? But it's just a problem with the signing. It's a problem with the fit. What have we needed from a Giants linebacker from years past? We've needed somebody who can cover, who was much, much better in coverage. We didn't necessarily need another run-stopping linebacker. Great. I'm glad that's a great strength. I'm glad he's physical at the point of attack. I'm glad he can do all of these things. This is just not what the Giants needed at this moment. That is my biggest, biggest problem because now you could even say this is why it's a necessity. It's a necessity to add another safety to this team. And this is why I kind of like Antoine Bethea being cut kind of now this is my brain and this is just how it works. Kind of sucks. We'll we'll (laughs) get to this because now I know. But no, I mean, I just I feel like it's relevant to kind of bring up now since you said to just bring up Peppers close to the line of scrimmage. I like Peppers playing that money backer role. He'll still be in that money backer role, Justin. I'm telling you, Patrick Graham last year, they'd be in their three four, so they'd have four linebackers on the field and three defensive linemen, and he'd still have his safety to, like near near the line of scrimmage. So this that's not like that's not mutually exclusive. In fact, Green Bay they did that a lot, and it got themselves in trouble where teams ran all over them. And we saw what San Francisco did them in the playoffs and the regular season. And so that kind of got them in trouble, and it wasn't like a huge improvement in the past. So, but I agree with you, and I disagree with you. I'll go ahead with the disagreement. I can't even remember. I'll go. Okay, let me start with what I agree with you. I agree. I said, um, I think on a previous podcast, if there's one position where I'm okay going into 2020, being like this is not a great position, it was inside linebacker. And Martinez, like I said, he's a good player, but he's not elite. And I think similarly to running back, I think. If you have an elite guy at the running back or inside linebacker position, it really helps your team. But I also think the the good guys, which Blake Martinez falls into, which um, Littleton probably falls into, the guys who are just like good, I think the difference between them and bad inside linebackers isn't close enough. And you just don't make a huge impact, as huge as an impact on the game. But where I disagree, okay, this is where I disagree with you. If you add Blake Martinez to the 28-19 Giants, it's like, eh, this isn't what we need. But with Bradbury, who you can trust now at corner, we got, I mean, we ha- at this point, we have to bet on DeAndre Baker making an improvement. So you have those right. corners, you have those guys up front. Then, you know, you got Peppers. We'll see what we do with Love, whether it's at nickel or free safety. We do have to get another safety if he's playing nickel. Then you're kind of like, okay, I could throw in a guy at a, on a on a decent contract at three years, thirty mil. Now you talked about how, okay, yeah, we need to rely on DeAndre Baker being good and taking a step up in his second year. The second problem that I have with the signing is that we're now expecting O'Shane Eximenez, Lorenzo Carter, and Fakrell taking huge steps up. Now, yeah. obviously, we need we would still we would still need to add through the draft. So, Bobby, this is kind of like I have two more questions for you, um, and then this is so here so here's one of them. Would you rather have the Giants sign Blake Martinez like they did, or have enough room to go after an edge rusher like a Marcus Golden or like a Jordan Jenkins? I think I lean with you with the edge rusher. Um, now, Jenkins, I I just I if he's good, then yeah, um, Marcus Golden, which we'll get to him when we talk about Kyler Fackrell. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'll go ahead and give a spoiler i think marcus golden's better than fackrell but i don't think it's that big of a difference to where it's like you could freak out over it but let's say you don't keep this 10 year and supposedly clown he's looking at a one-year prove it because he's not getting the stuff that uh the contracts that he's not expected then it's like okay we can use that remaining seven plus the 10 and then work out some other like and give him like say 17 to 19 on a one-year deal or something so that's where i i do agree with you and that's why that's why I didn't want any of these inside linebackers. I know people were banging on the table like, oh, we should have spent two more for Littleton. Littleton's not great in coverage either. I mean, I only watched one game, 
the advanced stats, like I said, we don't. I'm not going to put any trust in those. But I watched one game against Atlanta, and there was nothing in the coverage that impressed me. Schobert was pretty good in coverage, but he was also in man a lot, at least against New England when I watched that game. Uh, we all know the issues of the New England offense. Shout out Tom Brady, greatest buck of all time, maybe. Just kidding. They have too many great players on that defense. I lost my – basically, I was I was not big on any of these inside linebackers and giving them money. But I will say the fact that he got 330 instead of 344 makes it feel a little bit better. Yeah, no, I, I definitely thought when when I was doing my overall macro big picture work on Blake Martinez, I thought that he was going to get – I thought that all these interior linebackers were going to demand a little bit more money uh, because why not? Like uh, usually that's just how the market and free agency works, right? Even if you're not necessarily at the top guy, if you're the top guy in the class, or if you're one of the top guys in that free agency class, you're going to demand money that's near the top of your position. That's not necessarily what happened here. Uh, they didn't really get near Bobby Wagner money. So here's my final question. So really my, my gripes with this signing, unlike last episode where I'm like, oh, this guy's just not a good player. My Now my gripes with this with this signing is that, okay, he's a good, he's a decent player, he's an upgrade. Not expecting him to be the perfect player, but he's just not what this team needs at this moment. And you can argue, and what a lot of people on Giants Twitter are arguing right now, what this team does need in this at this moment is a guy like Isaiah Simmons. So Bobby, I asked this last episode, it was more of a hypothetical. I know you don't like hypotheticals, but how can this signing not be a clear indicator that Isaiah Simmons is no longer in view? And I'm going back and forth with this right now currently. I tend to say that this Blake Martinez signing, it kind of takes Isaiah Simmons out of the picture. I agree, but that also doesn't bother me because I've been on the trade back and get an offensive tackle train. Um, right, right. If, if I'm, but if we're at the four, it's tempting to not take Isaiah Simmons. Although I feel like people are ignoring the fact that the Lions – very well, very well may take Isaiah Simmons. So it doesn't like freak me out because I'm just, I wasn't in the like the Isaiah Simmons no matter what train. Um, I've been in the trade back, pick one of these offensive tackles, preferably Andrew Thomas, and then get an inside linebacker later on. And in the, in the, if we get an extra first round pick or an early second. So I agree with you. I do think we're out, we're out on Simmons right now, but I'm not 100% saying that obviously. And I would love to have Simmons because he is an amazing player. I mean, even if you see Simmons as a guy who can line up in different positions besides interior linebacker, if Simmons is a giant, someone is going to have to come off the field. And I was having this this conversation with Anthony Tomeno before the show, and he told me to shut up. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he really expressed, and also he told me how Simmons expressed uh, how he enjoys sacking the quarterback actually more than getting interceptions. And on YouTube, uh, you know, Anthony Tomato, really, se- second plug for the Talking Giants YouTube. Go subscribe to us on YouTube. We do some pretty good stuff. It's just search Talking Giants. Uh, we were trying to keep that active a little bit. But um, Anthony Tomato on YouTube was the one to actually show how Isaiah Simmons can play between linebackers and safeties at Clemson. So he, was, he wasn't even like a money backer where he was lining up next to a linebacker, but he was playing behind the linebackers but in front of the safeties. He was like this. He's like creating a new position, for God's sakes. So... Anthony Tomato, when I was talking to him on the phone before the show, he was like, this dude could be an edge rusher or this dude could be lining up in that role. But that still doesn't dismiss the question, dismiss the point of, number one, how can this all translate to the pro level? And number two, somebody is going to have to come off the field. Somebody who is of an, of an importance of the, on this Giants roster, whether that be one of these edge rushers, which I don't know how Isaiah Simmons as an edge rusher can translate. I don't think it can which, you know, Anthony Tamana will say that I'm wrong. And then how does this new position of playing in between, playing behind linebacker but in front of a safety, how does that translate to the pro level? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Um, I do think it's, we're out on Simmons. All right, uh, yeah. you got anything else on Blake? We spent 30 minutes on him. Um, we did. <laughs> all right, let's take, let's take a break. We'll do giant stories or days of our giant, whatever we're calling it these days. And then days we'll, of get our giants. Into, we'll get into the rest of these players. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All 
All right, Nick Gates was in Malibu skipping rocks into the ocean. Pretty nice for the ugly boy. Golden Tate was playing uh, a golf, and he was on top of the golf cart. Don't don't get alarmed. This was early in the week and last week. Anton Bethea at his District 41 bar was giving away free lunch. Aldrich Rosas was in the Mississippi State Capitol. And Julian Love was watching film of his eighth grade football championship. All right, Justin, very light on the Giants stories, days of whatever we're calling it. Days of our Giants. Yeah, we'll see. We're still working on it. Um, <laughs> and I like I like Giants stories. I'm looking at Instagram stories. They're Giants. It was very light, obviously, because of the coronavirus. I will say, I think a lot of them may be doing things, but they're afraid to post it because they'll get everyone being like, how could you go do this when there's the virus mm. out there? The Verizon, Corona Verizon. A lot of Giants fans sound like exactly what you just said. <laughs> the ones down here in, in Florida do in dumb old Texas. So there, there's just nothing. There's really nothing there. And I'm just kind of reaching. I mean, what out of this piques your interest? I can't believe oh, I put Antoine I, Bethea on there. He's not a Giant anymore. But I thought that can was Can I cool. ask, can I do a little bit of a role reversal? Uh, what what piqued your interest? Nick Gates skipping rocks just because I like skipping rocks. Um, I live by the beach. No, no big deal. Just to brag a little bit. I do live five minutes from the beach. uh, And I enjoy walking the beach with my dog and skipping rocks. So that piqued my interest. With no state income tax. Nope. No state income tax. Unlike, (laughs) unlike he would had in Malibu where there's a very high state income tax. And then Golden Tate, he was literally on top. Like he was on top of the golf cart and hit the, hit the ball, which looks like fun. But Golden Tate is just kind of like, He's a little he's a little out there. Wild dude. You hang out with Bob Menery, you're a wild dude. Yeah. And maybe kind of douchey, honestly. Um <laughs> I like I like Golden Tate. Yeah, I mean, besides that, there's just nothing interesting. I like Julian Love watching the eighth grade football championships. That's cool. I mean, I don't know. It's it's this dang corona, man. It's ruining a segment on our show. <laughs> it's it's ruining our fun. <laughs> it's the worst thing that's happened from it so far. Is this what's freaking- what's typically what's typically like your best like when you skip rocks, what's like? Oh, how like how many times a rock skips on a certain throw? What's like really good for you? Three is like okay, that's good, and that that's like an average. Like okay, good. Sometimes you do like two, and you're like, dang it. But there's times where you get like six, seven, and it just feels so freaking good, and you hope someone saw you do it. Have you ever skipped rocks? I'm in the three four range. Yeah, I actually different different circumstances. A lot more of a nasty nasty place. I went to school up in Jersey City, so I would go to the Hudson River. <laughs> I've been to Jersey City. I was in Jersey City in December. On your recommendation, yeah. I had 10 hours to spare before we went to uh, to the airport. And we're like, hey, like, what's something to do in New Jersey? Was it fun? Uh, it was just kind of, we. I mean, we looked at the river, a couple little things. We saw that guy that has the, like, the knifey thing on the right. You know the rifles with the big knife on them? Yes. Yes. Yeah, the guy, he's got that being stabbed through his back. I was going to recreate it, but it was just like, I don't, people are looking at me. I mean, yeah, there, no, it was little, nothing little, special. Little we were in that big area like where there's like a food court and stuff like that. We hung out in there for like 45 minutes just sitting down. Cool. Cool. And that's where we took our album cover picture, where it's, we're in front of the Hudson River. Oh, New that's York right. In the background. Uh, you were mean mugging? Yeah, that's our album. That's our <laughs> rap album cover. Um <laughs> The Skinner's rap album cover. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Giant Story is kind of light this week. Let's move on to another Green Bay Packers linebacker who's now part of the New York Giants, Kyler Fackrell. 28 years old, 6'5", 245 pounds. On a one-year, $4.6 million contract. Justin, he's an edge rusher. He's he's pretty good. Last year in 2019, he only had uh, 23 Solo tackles, two tackles for a loss, one sack, 10 QB hits. Those numbers are not very nice to look at. But in 2018, when Patrick Graham was his linebacker coach, which we didn't mention that with Blake Martinez, he had 42 solo tackles, 12 tackles for a loss, 10 and a half sacks, and then 12 QB hits. So he's got a guy with some good moves. He's kind of similar to Marcus Golden, uh, but Marcus Golden is better, and I won't get into that comparison. But we're hoping that he can kind of regain some of that magic with Patrick Graham and also the fact that he played 20% less snaps because the 
the Packers added Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, and obviously they were going to play over him. Yeah, something that does make me a little bit worried is that even though his snap share and his snap count and uh, you know the amount of snaps that he played in 2018 was a lot higher, he only had six more QB pressures and he only had three more QB hurries. It's actually strange. He had one quarterback knockdown in 2018, but seven quarterback knockdowns in 2019. So a little weird, but I'm not really taking too much stock into the advanced stats on uh, Kyler Fackrell just because of the fact that uh, he has not played consistently. 2018 was the year that he played most consistent. And even in 2019, there would be times where he would play, okay, maybe 20, 30% of the snaps, 40% of the snaps, but he would still be dropping back in coverage so often where he would have, maybe if you look back at a game, I rewatched that um, that Minnesota Vikings game. I believe this is the game that I rewatched. And he had about maybe around 10 pass rushing opportunities, despite being on the field for a little bit more than 10 plays, but only 10 pass rush opportunities on third down. And he had like one or two QB pressures. He had one QB hit and I counted two QB pressures. So even in 2019, he was somewhat effective with his limited snap shares, limited snap count, and his limited pass rushing opportunities. Like they did drop him back in the coverage a lot since the Packers had those two Smiths on the edge. Yeah. So, and the 10 and a half sack year, now this is can fall into the category of sacks are misleading because now you can't take them away because I don't like when people are like, well, if you take away this and take away this. Six of those sacks were in two games. You had a three-sack game against the Seahawks um, and then a three-sack game uh, against the Buffalo Bills, which they just dominated them in that game. So, anyways, I think he's a good player. He's gritty. He kind of reminds me of David Tollison a little bit, and that's not just because they're white. David Tollison, <laughs> he loves us. He, like, he's got a couple good moves. He's got a decent um, bull and pull, which is where you bull rush a guy and then pull him and then go either inside or out. That was pretty good. In fact, I mean, against Cameron Fleming, who we'll talk about next, he had some good moves against him. Every once in a while, he'll break out a spin move, but it's it's not the cleanest, but it, it was effective a couple times. I think he's a good player on a on it's a good value contract. That being said, and I and I get it's not even because Marcus Golden is going to get a much bigger contract. He's not better than Marcus Golden. He hasn't shown me more than that. And I mean, just look at the numbers. I, I figured I, I'd compare their years where they were, you know, 2019 for uh, for Fack route, and then in 2018 when Marcus Golden was coming off the ACL. Golden had two and a half sacks, six uh, six uh, QB hits on 393 sacks. Fack route had one sack and then 10 QB hits on uh, 415 snaps. So basically the same amount. He had uh, 20, about 22 more. I can imagine, though, watching Green Bay – Fackrell was dropping a lot more into coverage than Marcus Golden was in 2018. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine. That's that, my that's my estimated. That's true, thought. but I'm just saying, like from eye test, Marcus Golden is a better player, but that's also why he's going to get a better contract. Correct. He's also 28 years old, and he can be improving, and he doesn't have an injury uh, history. So this is this is a good deal, but also don't expect the world out of him either. You know, like I like. Do, do you expect him to be over Lorenzo Carter? Well, Lorenzo Carter is going to start, and then it comes down to how much O'Shane Zimenez progresses. So, I mean, he might not even be the, the starter. Just based off of context clues and how the Giants try to hype up O'Shane, like they tried to hype up Lorenzo Carter last year, and it just it, it didn't it didn't work. I Lorenzo was they, good though; he just wasn't like that great player that everyone thought he was going to be. Like yeah, he was like I, he, he just kind of he was a do your job kind of guy. He wasn't flashy. Um, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, we we need we need guys that are going to be more than do your job guys on this football team, especially yeah. with Ed Rusher, especially yeah, I, with Ed Rusher right now. So, oh gosh, because it's crazy. This is so crazy, and this is why it makes me so. It kind of you make me scratch you, you scratch your head a little bit with this Martinez signing, especially when you look at Sean Lee got four and a half million dollars. We could have thrown an extra million dollars his way, and then he may have come in blue. But that's yeah. But he also may have not wanted to leave Dallas either. And they don't have a state income tax either, by the way. There's there's no need to talk about that. That's hypotheticals, and I know and I know probably other shows are talking about, oh, Sherbert got this, uh, Littleton got that, and uh and Sean Lee got that. We're, I, we're I wanted that. Sean That's... Lee, but I would rather this than Sean Lee. With with everything else that happened, obviously. But still, this makes you scratch your head. It's like, oh God, you know, how much we're going to be relying on Kyler Fackrell to probably be <laughs> Our, our best edge rusher, Bobby. Yeah. That's what we're we're basically relying well, on. Because no, we, Justin, we're going to get Chase Young. Oh God, you know, Chase I was, Young would fix, went, fix so many issues. <laughs> really would. When we 
when we made the Blake Martinez signing and I was like, but I was like, Ugh, why did we do that kind of thing? If Chase Young can fold the four, do you know how much that dramatically like changes <laughs> like literally everything about what we think of this football team? That would be nuts. Just bananas. Not really going to happen. <laughs> holding holding out hope though. I mean, that would be There is know, a path I, for that to happen. So did you is. hear now this was a, a Grant Paulson and some Redskins fans told me to not take it uh uh seriously, but he said that Wide receivers didn't want to come to Washington because of Dwayne Haskins. So they may take a QB. I mean, and we do know that the Redskins tried to outbid. They did outbid the Cowboys for Amari Cooper, and he said, I went back to Dallas. So. <laughs> so, But yeah, I don't know why we went into a Chase Young rant. We're not going to get him. But there is a path. Well, no, it's 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 necessary because you asked me how much are we or do we kind of like expect that a Fackrell? How much are we going to rely on a Fackrell? And it's like, well, we're going to rely on him more than we would want to. <laughs> so uh, here here here's a vision though. Here's like a vision. Here's a scenario for you that I think is going to happen based off of the film and based off of where he's already lined up in Green Bay. He lined up a lot in the A gap. So he kind of split the time between as a third down specialist, third down pass rusher, kind of split between lining up on the edge and he lined up a lot in the A gap. So this is kind of a configuration I think we may see. We may see Lorenzo Carter on the edge, uh, Kyler Fackrell lining up in the A gap, Leonard Williams right next to him, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, or Dexter Lawrence as like your kind of interior defensive lineman. And then you would have your other edge guy, O'Shane Eximenez, out there. So I think that's going to be a third down configuration on the defensive line that we're going to see quite often. Kind of is a NASCAR formation because it's kind of a NASCAR formation it's, it's with NASCAR, Leonard Williams It's in there. NASCAR Bush series. So let's not, yeah, let's, not, there you let's, go. not, let's not go too crazy over here. We'll see. I think he's a productive guy. With that contract, he can really fall into good graces among Giants Nation the way Marcus Golden did. Like if he gets 10 sacks, I'm not going to be surprised. If he gets... Four and a half sacks. I'm not going to be surprised either. He's going to get um, more playing time. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> until we get Chase Young. Um, oh yeah. Totally. Anyways, so I mean, anything else on Fackrell before we move on to Fleming? I don't. I don't have. No. Much let's more. do it. All let's, right. Let's move. This is this is the the signing that pushed this podcast back about an hour or so. Cameron Fleming, six foot six, three hundred twenty pound tackle. He was with the Dallas Cowboys. Age, he's 27 years old, out of Stanford. We're getting a lot of Stanford guys on this team. He started 26 games in six years, four years with New England, and then the last two with Dallas as their backup left tackle where he started six games. The contract is one year's, and it says it's a maximum of $4 million, which I get, I'm assuming is a very incentive-laden uh, contract, basically. Basically, what I think it is is if you start, like you get the, if you start eight games or whatever, You'll get that. That's that's just me guessing, not not reporting. Um, although people just report stuff nowadays. Whatever. Cameron Fleming, we watched one game of him. I think this is a good signing, although I don't think Cameron Fleming is good. Um, like I said, we watched... Let, let me just talk about him as a player, and then we'll talk about how we use him, Justin. Me and you both watched the Green Bay game. In the past game, not good. Granted, he was going against Zadarius Smith, but Zadarius Smith ate his lunch. And he went up against Kyler Fackrell, who got him a couple times. So it wasn't good. It just was not good in the past game. Uh, he was also, like he said, he was also asked to play left tackle against Zadarius Smith, which is what we're not going to ask. We're not going to ask him to do that for us. At least, at least hopefully not. In the run game, it was pretty good. Nothing special. But like I said, in the past game, he gets beat. And he gets beat in different ways. He gets beat inside with spin moves. He'll get beat around the edge. He, he just doesn't look comfortable in there. But at... At four mil, we need some depth. We possibly need him to play right tackle, which is, I mean, let's let's talk about it, Justin. Where does Cameron Fleming fit into the Giants in twenty twenty? Hopefully, not the starting right tackle. I mean, that that's my hope. If the way thing the way the way things are shaping up, I don't think he will. I think he'll be a swing tackle. I, I mean, it's it's yeah. starting to look like we're going to draft left tackle, and whether or draft a tackle, and whether you put that guy at right tackle or you move Nate Soldier over there, it's starting to look that way. So I mean, he is he's he's a, as good as a backup as you could probably get at the tackle position. Like he wasn't out there, yeah, and it was yeah. just a liability. He wasn't good, but it wasn't like a, a just an all out liability. Yeah, I thought his play strength could be a little bit better. Um, when he's engaged with this man, he does a good job of staying in front of him. 
I thought because of the circumstances, Bobby, I thought that he actually was almost better in pass protection than he was compared as a run blocker, simply because I was considering when I was watching that Green Bay game, I was considering the circumstances. I'm like, you know what? For the circumstances and for the talent that that Green Bay defensive line and that you know those those edge guys uh, those edge guys have, thought he did a pretty solid job. He's a backup for a reason, but he's a good one. Now, the main thing that comes out of this signing for me is we no longer are relying on Nick Gates as the only backup tackle on this roster. We have Fleming, who could or he's also played guard. He also you know going back to his New England days, he played guard. Not sure, did you? I'm sure you mentioned that. Um, in your brief little bio that you gave Bobby. But did not. going back to his new... You did not? I did not. Oh, so look, new information by me. But he did play guard if you go back to his New England days, his but he Twitter did not play... Twitter is Cammy J Fresh. You didn't, you didn't say wow. that. How about that? <laughs> How about that? See? Misinformation panic is what I call him. <laughs> Misinformation panic. We should put that on a, on a shirt. Can we make that a talking giant shirt? Mr. Misinformation. I've been so close to actually like being like according to my sources and it just being completely fake just because it's so funny to see everyone do it. I don't know. Sorry. Go oh, on. I, I was thinking of I was thinking of Mr. Misin Miss shoot your speech impediment. I was thinking of misinformation panic as somebody who tweets out like false analytics or like just just doesn't know how to read analytics correctly. That's we need what I was some pa- we need Not- some show parody accounts. Someone start a misinformation panic account. There we go. I like that. I like that. But anyway, can make fun can of I, I'm going to get. Stuff. I'm going to get to my. Like according point now. to Pro Football Focus, uh, no, no, Blake no, Martinez no, has a reference. negative seven grade in pass coverage. That'll be misinformation. That's very. That's, very, uh, th- that's accurate. Account. That's accurate. Um, <laughs> uh, Cameron Fleming. Yes. So now we actually have a backup tackle on this football team. So that means that Nick Gates isn't the only backup tackle or guard. That we are relying on. So, Bobby Skinner, I have a question for you. Does this open up the option of Nick Gates going to center? And we actually got a voicemail from Gordy, our main man Gordy, who asked a very similar question. Uh, hi, hi, guys. This is Gordy. Uh, you guys are too much. Uh, coronavirus and Furby in the same show. I love it. Throwback to last week. And you kind of help make it easier for all of us to get through these hard times. I mean that. Anyway, uh, talk about center. I think it's really important, and uh haven't heard you talk that much about it. Thanks. Take care, guys. Bye. Thanks, Gordy. Great, prevalent, and relevant question. Bobby, we haven't really talked about center. So, what do you think? Nick Gates, does it open up for center? Or do we go and look for somebody in the draft? Because this draft class is pretty stacked with these interior offensive linemen. I've been banging this drum for Nick Gates to play center for a while. I mean, he he took snaps at center in practices during the 2019 season. I mean, even like when he started at right tackle, he was the backup center that week too and was practicing as it. I'm all for it, man. I think he's shown me enough to where you can trust him at that position. He like I would be excited about him at right tackle. I think there's potential, but I also want to like just flat out trust him at right tackle. So this um, with a, a possible draft pick, you can move him to center like. Tell him, you know, take 600 snaps a day, dude. Learn how to play center. Um, and he showed in the preseason and the regular season that he can play all over the line and it doesn't affect him negatively. So, yeah, I think with the way free agency is shaping up and the other needs on the team and what uh, the strengths are in the draft, yeah, I, I'm kind of planning on Nick Gates being the center, honestly, at this point. And Jordan Rainin had talked about that um, in an article a few weeks ago, or Ron on. Am, am I am I crazy for just expecting Nick Gates to be the center? No, but what I think is more important and more pressing is what the heck even happens at left tackle or right tackle. If either one of these big four offensive tackles are picked by the New York football giants, so that's Wirfs, that's Becton, that's Wills, that's Thomas. If either one of those four are picked and they're either starting right tackle or left tackle day one, then it's not crazy to say that Nick Gates is would probably start at center. But it, it all really is dependent on what the Giants can do and if they can get one of the big four tackles. Yeah. I I, I think I honestly I think they're planning on picking a tackle at this point, and I really do. Um so that's why I'm not like, we need to get a tackle. Cause I think they're I think they're planning on this point. And that's a big reason why I wasn't on the Jack Conklin train and the fact that he's not that good. Giants have surprised us before, Bobby Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this to me um get a tackle dave gettleman 
uh, trade back and get us a freaking tackle. Just trade back. I don't care if there's not an offer there. Just do it. Do it. All right. Anything else on Cameron Fleming? No. Uh, if so, here this is a thought that I was that I was thinking while you were speaking. If we can find a way to get one of the big four offensive tackles on this football team, Spencer Pulley is a depth guy. Cameron Fleming is a depth guy. And I'll tell you what, you're feeling pretty good about those two depth pieces. And then, you know, you're even talking about the opportunity for, you know, a a guy that's signed off the street or a guy that's an undrafted guy or a guy that's picked later in the draft competing for these depth spots. And I think that is a very, very good scenario. And that would make me feel very, very good about the offensive line heading into um, 2020. Yeah, it uh, it could be good. And I'm rooting for Nate Solder, man. Yeah. I really... I, I'm not going to get into it. I just, every time I think about a situation, it, it sucks. Root for the guys in blue. Yeah. Even if he, even if he went to the Eagles, I would root for Nate Solder. Ooh, how about that? Um, Cause he's just a good dude. All right. Next on the list, 28 years old, six foot eight, 268 pounds on a two year, $6.2 million deal. Tight end Levine Toilolo. This guy is freaking big. Justin, Obviously, he's being brought in to be a blocker. I mean, like his stats as a receiver in his career, he in 108 games, he has 97 catches, 996 yards, and eight touchdowns. He's a good blocker, Justin. Uh, more so in the pass game than the like it, it stands out. He's, not, he's a good run blocker, but his pass game skills stand out, Justin. And then shout out to at football fan John. He referred me to this. There was a game in 2014, and I went and broke down the film and put it on all our socials. He played the entire fourth quarter of tackle, and he wasn't bad at it. So this guy can block, and he can pass block, which is nice. So if we have these tackles who are struggling you know, or whatnot, you can actually trust him to go over there and, and be pretty good with you. Hey, thanks, football fan, John. You're, you're, one of, you're, you're, certain, you're certainly one of our favorites. Um, yeah, I still, still will never be able to figure out how to say this guy's name. Toy, Toy Lolo. That's what I'm going with. Toy Lolo. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's that hard. I think it's just Toy Lolo. He's I, Hawaiian. It's, it's, I, from the looks of it, he's Hawaiian, and that name is Hawaiian. That's very, I'm just assuming, and that's not great. It's mainly because I said Darqueezy so many times. and Yeah, that was kind of inf- offensive, saying I know, so, uh, Darquez Denard Darqueezy. Like, his mom would slap you in the mouth if you said that to his face. I know. Yeah, his mom would slap me in the mouth. That's a good, that's, that's, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good image. Uh, yeah, I watched a decent chunk of, uh, a game where I, I, I basically looked, I was like, okay, what, what game did Toilolo play the most snaps at? Great. He played the most snaps this game. So I watched it and Bobby him and pass blocking was pretty, pretty cool. His hand placement was good. His eye and foot connection, something that Carl Banks likes to talk about his eye and foot connection was stellar, 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 you know, where his feet was moving and where his head was moving and where his hands were. It was, it all lined up. He was balanced. He was strong. Uh, which is something you don't typically see a lot out of tight ends. You know, I'm excited. Now, here's my main question. Here's my main question. We know the San Francisco 49ers utilized them correctly, you know, because they were such a run-heavy team. They were such, you know, they were they utilized running formations a ton. We know this. Now, when Red Ellison was signed, we're like, oh, yeah, this guy can play both fullback and this guy can play both tight end. We didn't utilize him correctly. Can we utilize this Tololo guy correctly? I would not mind if Evan Ingram's snap share and if his snap count, you know, for the purposes of him also staying healthy this year, I would not mind if Evan Ingram is sitting on the sideline a little bit this year for the purpose of 12 personnel. I want Caden Smith and Toilolo out there kicking ass and taking names. Yeah, yeah. And he was mainly the third guy for San Fran, although, there, like you said, there's games where he did have a lot of reps. Yeah, it's one of those things where you like him, but how does he fit on the field? But like you said, with Caden Smith, what he's shown, now you can put two tight ends out there. You can have these guys who can block, even though Caden Smith needs to work on his blocking. He's good, not great. Um, maybe even a little below good. Where you have to respect the pass. Where if you just have Red Allison out there and Evan Ingram, it's like, cool, you got one guy who could do it, but like Evan Ingram is not as bad as a blocker as people say, but you can't trust him to just go up and man up a guy. You kind of have to use him and you have to like scheme his blocks. So yeah, I mean, I like it. It's a, there's kind of like no risk to it. It's a, it's a small contract um, and he's been solid everywhere he's went, or at least from what it seems to be. Yeah. I would, I would like to see him used, uh, utilize the guys that you have on your football team. You know, just because Evan Ingram is your number one guy 
you know, utilize don't... Eric Smith at tackle, right? <laughs> utilize him. Utilize him. All right. so, I, I, I'm making fun of your point, but your point is good. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You never compliment me. <laughs> yeah, well, it has to come after an insult. I can't just oh, give you a compliment. What kind of freaking weirdo go. does that? <laughs> What kind of weirdo? What kind of weirdo is just a genuinely nice person? <laughs> I am a nice person. I'm nice in you action, are. not words. In words, I'm mean. In action, I'm nice. And about it, a I mean just person. Around, <laughs> I don't. I just don't go around parading it, which aggravated me so much with the, with NBA last year, last week, when it's like Kevin Love is offering up like a um, hundred thousand for the employees. And then everyone's like, but what about that goober? Where's that goober? It's like, maybe he is doing it and he's not alerting the media or he's still like working out the details. That crap pisses me off. Anyways, rant over. Cody Core. He's back. Cody Core. All right, we'll go quick. Two years, 4.7 million, which is a little expensive for a guy who's mostly a special teamer. Although I watched his Cincinnati stuff. I watched a little bit of him um, when he did get some reps earlier in the season. He's not a bad wide receiver. Like, I if you're going between him and Benny Fowler, I, I might lean core. And he's big at six foot three, um, and two hundred five pounds. He's still young, twenty five. I mean, he ran a good forty time, I believe. Um, but yeah, he's he's mainly a special team gunner. He was really good on the punt team. I mean, it's just the, I love the memory of that Miami game where he's just waving the ball down the field. Cody Core, good special teams. We'll see you for like. A couple snaps here and there at wide receiver. Bobby, he's a guy. Ouch. When you actually when you say special teams, it's like okay, yeah, he's actually good in special teams. Where when a lot of times when people say special teams, it's like yeah, he's bad, but I mean <laughs> he can run down the field on kickoff. Bobby, right, how much we'll, uh, how much cap space do we have? Uh, can one we more thing? Antoine Bethea has oh, been cut. God saves two point seven five million. Justin, I get where you're coming from. A few weeks ago, I was in the boat of may we keep Bethea, but I thought about it this way. Do you th- if Bethay was a free agent, would you be like, "Hey, let's go pay two point seven five million dollars" after you no. saw the year that he had in twenty nineteen? So that's why I'm not worried about losing him. I think he can be replaced easily in the draft. As now that I've actually started looking more into the safeties, there's some safeties I've been excited about, and that role that you're talking about isn't the most desperate role that needs to be filled. Like you need a great player there. Um, yeah, Dion well Grant. Mike, Mike, Dion Grant is not a is not a desperate. Uh... And I'd rather bring back Michael <laughs> Thomas, who's another special team guy. Yeah, yeah, and we have the cap room for that. So let's let's yeah. let's kind of end off with that. Yes, suck it. All right. So with with they being cut, they had around eighty-one million dollars in cap space. This isn't exact because I don't know everyone's contract situation. Bradbury's the only one where I know the first year cap hit, where it's fifteen point nine. Justin, it ends up with about at fifty at fifty-eight point nine million dollars used. That brings us to twenty two point one million left. But Justin, let's account for fifty. Let's just highball and say fifteen million dollars for the draft. That leaves us with seven point one million dollars in cap space. It's looking like Marcus Golden will not be a giant in twenty twenty, which stinks. I really like him as a person, as a player, um, as a as just a, a, a New York Giant. I liked him as a New York Giant. I'm not going to ask what we do next because, you know, I'm not going to be like, what, four million player we're going to get. Um, but it's uh, I, I think we're based we're mostly done in free agency and we'll probably hang up and then they'll sign someone and cut Nate Solder and do something crazy. Yeah, you want you want to you want to hear something wacky. And this is this is wacky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not even like th- this is a rumor and I'm not even saying it because it's. I, I I think it's legitimate. I'm saying it because it's from the person that like who it's coming from. Um, NYG Pete is a uh, is hearing from sources that the Giants are expected to sign Marcus Golden to a multi year deal, and that was one hour ago. So hey, Bobby, we not we may not be done. Didn't he say? He said that the they were going to trade Leonard Williams too. Oh. He did say that. He said that earlier in the week. All right, so so he had he had, he has some swing and misses, but you know what? Let's uh. Let's let's give him faith. Let's have some faith. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna happen. All right. So we've well, we're, what are we at time wise right now? We're we're, right, so we're, we're a little we're long. right about an hour. We're right yeah. about an hour. So we appreciate you guys. Thanks for staying up late for us. Um, hey hey help us hey. grow. Leva, can can you please 
if you enjoy what we're doing, please leave a review. It's been it's been a minute since we got some reviews, but I think we're doing some pretty good work. So if you can leave a five star rating in the Apple Podcast app and uh, tell all your friends about this show, tell your friends about Talking Giants, that'd be greatly appreciated. We love you. It'd be cool um, to get to two hundred before the draft. Ooh. Which, by the way, Justin and I tweeted this out, putting together our draft preview schedule just gets me excited, baby. Um, so basically, and I'll just announce it. The entire month of April will be draft stuff. I mean, April third, we're going to be reviewing, we're going to be previewing tight end and running back position. April seventh, de- defensive line and edge. April tenth, wide receivers. April fourteenth, cornerbacks and safeties. April seventeenth, linebacker. April twenty first, offensive tackle, and then draft day, where we do our mock drafts on the podcast. I'm I'm getting excited. It's a coming. It's a coming. I mean, there's still you know free agency is kind of over. So you're look you're looking at the holes that the Giants still need to fill, and guess what? The draft is that last time that we get to even get a sniff of improvement. So let's do it. Unless we get Mike Remmers again. All right, we appreciate you guys. <laughs> we'll see you next week, probably, unless something insane happens. We love you guys. Until next week, let's go big blue. <laughs>